Well, uh, glory to God. Great to see you today. Uh, we are, are in a series by our pastors on the way of Jesus. I really like that title uh, because Jesus is our model, right? Uh, you say you're a Christian, that means little Christ. So we have to find, follow the model. And anytime we can speak about the Lord Jesus, we're following our model in our lives here. All that we do, all that we represent him on this earth as his ambassadors, as his ministers of reconciliation, we must reflect our model, Jesus. So I have the honor today to speaking on uh, the compassion of Jesus, the compassion way of Jesus. So let's open up in prayer here. Uh, Father God, uh, we just invite Holy Spirit today. Uh, that you would illuminate my mind, my heart, Father, that I would not get in your way today, that, Father, you would communicate to the hearts of the people here what you would have them leave here with, that, Father, truly we would take it with us in the days ahead, that, Father, that we would be those that know of the compassion way of Jesus. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we look at the compassion uh, of Jesus, I think we need to briefly uh, examine a couple words words like sympathy and compassion. Since we tend to use these interchangeably, they're not interchangeable. They're not synonyms for each other. Uh, they are very different in concept. Uh, sympathy, uh, Webster tells us, it means uh, sameness of feeling. Sameness of feeling. So when people say, I feel your pain, I get it, that's sympathy. Uh, but for compassion, Webster shows us suffer with another. Suffer with another. That's very different. Compassion is beyond words. It moves to action. How about that? So when sympathy acts, if you would, it becomes compassion. It's no longer just sympathy. Uh, so, um, you know, sympathy could be sending a nice card to someone, but if you put money in that card, that's compassion. Uh, Mother Teresa, uh, showed not off, didn't offer sympathy to the poor that she ministered to. She offered compassion. Uh, she lived among them, um, experienced their suffering, showed them acts of compassion. Uh, there's a true story. Uh, there happened to be a reporter one time, I forgot from which country, watch, uh, watching what she did. And she had picked up a baby that was in the gutter that was dying. And a little tiny baby held it in her hands. And the baby died in her hands. And the reporter said, what'd you do that for? What good did that do? And of course, she's like, I can't believe this guy's asking me this question. She looked at him, she said, if this child could just know a few moments of love before leaving this world, the Lord would be pleased. Amen. That's compassion. Sympathy would be, oh, this is a shame. She did something as much as she could at the time. That's compassion. So uh, that's an act of compassion. So I'm not saying here today, sympathy, bad, compassion, good. I'm not trying to give you that impression. They're just different forms of comfort that we bring to one another. And in your first um, fill-in-the-blank handout, if you're doing that with us, uh, it says, Jesus, however, was a man of compassion. That's what we're looking at today, the way of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. Jesus was not a sympathizer. He was a man of compassion. And this is not uh, God saying to humanity, gee, I feel so sorry for you that you're so hopeless in your sin. Too bad. Wow. No, this is uh, God saying in Jehovah God, Jesus, I will come down and pay the penalty for your sin at my suffering at my expense. That's the compassion of Christ. Not acknowledging, oh, wow, you're having a hard time, aren't you? He did something about it. So, um, 
when we look at the compassion of Jesus here, obviously the cross is our ultimate example of the compassion of Christ. But uh, let's take a look at a couple scriptures here. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36, and looking at the compassion of Jesus, Jesus was going through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming uh, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Here he becomes their shepherd. Notice it doesn't say he has sympathy for them, but compassion for them. And he did something that act, had an action to it. It showed compassion to them. Look at another Jesus moment here in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. When he came ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. So we're noticing a pattern here. Uh, as we saw in the last scripture, he brought healing to the afflicted. That was an act of his compassion. He did something. He did something that mattered to them that they could not provide for themselves. Um, so when we look at the word compassion here in the New Testament concordance, uh, where it mentions Jesus, we see that um, it showed him acting in many compassionate manners. Just a list, a few of them here. Don't need to turn there. An example, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, he has compassion on the multitudes because they're hungry. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, he has compassion and opens the eyes of a blind man. In Mark chapter 1, verse 41, he has compassion on one suffering with leprosy. In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, he had compassion on a woman who was about to bury her only son, and Jesus raises him from the dead. So here we see here the Jesus of the New Testament, he acts. He demonstrates his love. Not just says it, but he does something about it. So when we consider why Jesus is a man of compassion, we are looking at acts of compassion. And of course, like I said before, we realize the cross and the resurrection are the way he made for us uh, to give us that new nature of right standing with the Father. As it says in Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. For all things have passed away and all things have become new. Uh, this is the compassion of our Lord that we would be restored as Adam and Eve were before sin in the garden. Uh, this is his ultimate compassion for us as the Christ restores us. Uh, we need to realize that. That's a very important thing. Uh, not lose sight of this because the way of Jesus is the way of compassion. Um, one act here that's, uh, I think, amazing is uh, an act of compassion from Jesus. Um, is Acts chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. Uh, and this is the compassion of forgiveness. How about that? Do you ever consider forgiveness as a compassion? An action that maybe you don't want to do, but you should do because it's a compassion to forgive. Wow. Acts, uh, John here 8, verses 2 to 11. <clears throat> I'm sure you've heard the story. And in the early morning, he came into the temple area and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began to teach them. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery and placing her in the center of the courtyard. Wait a minute, what do you mean caught in the act? Where were these guys? Were they under the bed, behind the curtains, peeking in the windows? My gosh, how incredibly extreme these guys are. And notice there's no man brought. He got away. Probably he was one of the Pharisees and this was a trap for Jesus. 
that's been assumed. Anyway, here they said to him in verse 4, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Now they were trying to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. Now Jesus does this twice, but stooping down with his finger, uh, but stooping down with his finger wrote on the ground. Uh, there was a tradition in the first century that when you challenged a rabbi with something very serious they, about what would heaven say, they would go to the ground or use a stick and they would start just uh, swirling in the ground. That meant be quiet, he's listening to God for an answer. When he starts talking, he'll give you the answer. But look, they don't give him a chance to do that, do they? It says here in verse 7, they, when they persisted, he's still writing, when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And now the second time now, again he stoops down and he wrote on the ground. Uh, scholars believe here clearly he is writing the sins of the crowd right there on the ground. And he's like, whoa, how did he know that? I'm getting out of here. And, and look what the next verse here in verse 9. Now, when they heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones, who obviously had more sin. And he, left, and he was left alone, and the woman was uh, where she was in the center of the courtyard. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, now, you've got to remember, to say woman was a title of respect in the first century. He wasn't being sarcastic. So if she's caught in the very act of adultery here, he's going out of his way right now to show respect to her. Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And Jesus answered, uh, and Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, do not sin any longer. And of course here, the point of this illustration is the way of Jesus is a way of compassion that brings forgiveness and healing to us. It's a compassion of Christ to forgive. We can easily spot the healing of the sickness and disease as clearly this is an act of compassion and feeding multitudes who are hungry, but to forgive is a great act of compassion. The next uh, verse here I want to share is on your memory verse there, because I like this verse so much. John chapter 5, verse 24, truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say to you. Now remember, whenever you hear that in Scripture, truly, truly, it's an Aramaic expression of the first century, which means what I'm about to say, you're not going to believe. So I have to tell you right up the front, I'm telling you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Oh, that's good news. Why? Because the enemy is a liar. And he always brings up people's past sins and failures. People are constantly in fear of judgment on their life one day. Did you meet Christ as your Savior? You have passed out of judgment. There is no judgment waiting to bite you on the bottom. He has forgiven you and judgment is gone because he took my judgment for me that should have been on me to the cross. My judgment put him on the cross. He took my judgment from me. That's good news. The enemy will always remind you that you can't look at God, look at the ugly face you have with all the other sins in your life. People are like that. They think God is some Zeus with a lightning bolt ready to strike you. 
That is not the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not a God of judgment for the believer because Jesus took my judgment for me. The Word of God tells us we have become the righteousness of God, God's very righteousness. That's something that goes right over our heads we don't get. If I ask you today, don't raise your hands. If I ask you, uh, tell me three things you could do to be in right standing with the Lord. Three things that would please Him. Your answer should be zero. Because you could add nothing to the righteousness He's already given you. Wait a minute. How about leading somebody to Christ? How about giving more? The church would like that. How about giving more? How about um, uh, praying more? Well, that's all good, but that should come out of your nature of a new believer anyway. I don't do it to add things to get brownie points with the Lord. I've already been given right standing. I've already passed out of judgment. What a relief, what a rest I have that I don't have to do something to please God or to make peace with God. It's already being done by Him because I couldn't do it. That's a rest to know that. So we have uh, come out of judgment here. We have passed out of it because of, of Jesus. So that's number two there on your fill in the blanks. Our Lord Jesus, in His compassion of His forgiveness, removes the judgment meant for us and puts it on Himself. Our Lord Jesus, in the compassion of His forgiveness, removes the judgment meant for us and puts it on Himself. What a relief if we would believe on Him. And you know, when you read the Scriptures carefully, especially in John, that's all He ever asks of us, that we would believe Him. Because if we believe Him, our behavior is going to change. Our thinking is going to change, and then our behavior is going to change. How we live our lives are going to change, because He'll then transform us inside. What an amazing thing. Now, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 out of the Amplified Bible, it ought to be a law. Everyone ought to own an Amplified Bible. Uh, we ha thank you. We have here, <laughs> for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Here in sympathy, uh, we see here to sympathize, it means Jesus gets it. He gets our human condition. But He doesn't stop there, as we see. He connects with us, and He then acts in compassion on the cross and the resurrection, a compassion He shows to us. Heavy stuff here. So when we talk about uh, Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the way of Jesus in this Way of Jesus series, uh, what do we do with this knowledge? If it's just here to make us feel good, I think we missed it by a mile. Really missed it by a mile. Uh, let me give you a, a picture here that Jesus gives us. It's a picture in a parable that you know about. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells us in a parable which is called, which we call the Good Samaritan. Now, of course, we think in, in this culture a Good Samaritan means he's a good person. That's not what that means. Samaritans were a hybrid people that lived in central Israel primarily, uh, probably half Jewish, half Assyrian, because uh, the Assyrian Empire conquered northern Israel before Babylon came in. And um, they're a hybrid people, and they were very hated by the Jews uh, because it reminded them of the days when they were, when they were idol worshipers. So they didn't like these people at all. 
And oddly enough, there are still some there today in Israel. And strangely enough, they're, they're Jewish, but strangely enough, they're the only ones practicing animal sacrifice. Isn't that wild? Here, they, they're the only ones that were ever faithful to the law of Moses. Pretty wild. Not that we do animal sacrifice. But, you know, it's just amazing. Here, the ones they hated the most ended up being most faithful to the, to the law of Moses. Pretty wild. So anyway, here, uh, these are people that are just hated. Uh, they're hybrids. They're not wanted. Their race is not wanted. So here we have in Jesus' parable, of course, a man is lying beaten and hurt on the side of the road. If he doesn't get help, Mount Sinai Hospital is not there to help him. He will die. No ambulance is there. He's going to die. So uh, here we have people start to walk by him. There's a priest and a Levite, and they ignore him. This is a fellow Jew. They ignore him in his pain and suffering. They should have helped the man because of who they were, but they did nothing. Then a Samaritan comes by, hated by the Jews. Maybe he should have had the response, oh, die, Jew, and keep walking. No. This guy, Scripture says, when he saw him, he felt compassion. At his own cost, he helps a man that probably, in his culture, he should not have helped, but did anyway. Amazing here. So, of course, uh, it was a lawyer that challenged Jesus. Why is it always a lawyer? It's never a fireman, a school teacher. It's always a lawyer. Anyway, so this lawyer who's challenging Jesus here, being snotty, uh, Jesus responds to the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell to the robber's hands? And, of course, the lawyer responds, and he said, the one who showed compassion to him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Notice uh, the incredible statement of that. Doesn't Jesus tell us also in the Gospels that we didn't turn to that we are to carry our own cross, deny ourselves and carry our cross? Now, religion will tell you stupid things like uh, sickness and disease is your cross, your mother-in-law is your cross, whatever. That's ridiculous. It is not your cross. Jesus took uh, the sickness and disease and tried to save your mother-in-law if she would receive Christ. Uh, but no. That is not it. That's impossible. Uh, rather, Paul gives us the answer of what that means to carry your cross when he tells us in another letter uh, when Paul said, bear one another's burdens. Jesus bore my cross. That cross he carried that ripped his skin, that was heavyweight, that was my sin he carried. He did that for me because I couldn't do it for myself. I now, because of the great compassion Christ has showed me, carry the burdens of my brothers and sisters in Christ and others as well. And I think prayer is one of the greatest ways to carry that burden, very honestly. But we also have acts of compassion. So when, uh, when we carry one another's burdens in our lives, we are carrying the cross we were meant to carry. Uh, these are compassion directives from heaven. And, um, and isn't that the point for you and me today? Here on our third film, The Blanket says, uh, Jesus who ministered the way of compassion calls us to do acts of compassion. Jesus, who ministered in the way of compassion, calls us to do acts of compassion. If it was just Jesus, the way of compassion, we're called to be modeling him. What does that mean to us? Now, it, it, obviously, it puts another issue on us to be men and women of compassion. And keep in mind here, what we saw in the Luke example and what Jesus did for us, compassion will cost you something. It will cost you in time. It will probably cost you money, 
right? It'll probably inconvenience you. It's going to cost you something. Jesus offers us a compassion here that the natural nature of selfish man does not understand. Yet we're called to do this act of compassion as he did. So we have to do it in the anointing that he gives us to do it. Because I can't do it without this new nature of love in me. Don't drink coffee before you speak. That tells you your throat, shut up. <clears throat> okay, the anointing of a new nature of love that we receive, that we're born again into, uh, gives us that ability. I mean, we have, a, we have a food pantry here, one of the, uh, the, probably right now the largest ministry in our church. It was the children's ministry, but now the, the youth ministry, uh, the uh, uh, food pantry ministry is, is far bigger for the amount of people that serve in it. Why are you doing this for? Doesn't it cost you something? Hey, gas is like gold today. Doesn't it cost you something? Isn't it taking your time away from you and your family? Huh? Isn't it uh, inconveniencing you? Especially when you have to be at the food pantry on a cold winter morning. I don't want to leave the house. Yet you just go there with a smile on your face. Why are you doing that for? Have you met the compassion of Christ? Has the compassion of Christ controlled your life and your hearts? I think so. We have various ministries here. I don't know if Pastor Jim mentioned, but there's signs on the walls where the tables are. And there's several compassion ministries here. By the way, the good table is over there. It says Institute of Biblical Studies. <clears throat> I just wanted to point that out. I just want to point that out. Somebody offered me $5 to mention their table. No. <laughs> if they said 20, I would have mentioned it. But they didn't. Now they learned. Anyway, uh, yeah, these are a lot of compassion ministries here. That's a true story, by the way. There's a lot of compassion ministries here. And, uh, you know, uh, the compassion of Jesus compels us, right, to walk in the way of Jesus. If we look at walking in the way of Jesus and then we don't walk in the way of Jesus, what have we really learned at all? Um, you know, so this calls us to represent Christ. Uh, but bear in mind also to show the forgiveness that Jesus brings us. We bring the compassion of forgiveness to other people's lives as well, to bring healing to their souls. Remember, those who forgive are acting in compassion. And the Lord smiles on you. Very few things you can do in this world where the Lord smiles on you. He smiles on you when you forgive because you're living in the compassion of Christ. Because the passion of Christ uh, compels us. So to do such things as this, um, you know, we might be accused as those who have been with Jesus. Better to have a name known in heaven than a name known among men. I want to be accused. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Father God, yes, that we would be accused as those that have been with Jesus. That Lord God, the compassion that we show in Christ would truly touch men's souls that the gospel would be preached in our actions. And we'll add some words to it too. But that our actions would show the compassion of Christ and compel others to come to the cross. That Lord God, we would be known as a men and women of compassion, Father. Yes, Lord God, we choose to inconvenience ourselves. Yes, we choose that it would cost us something and we'll smile at that. Because to act as Jesus would act, there is no other way we can live. We thank you for this, Father, that the cross of Christ, the compassion of Christ compels us. May we live and act this way in the days ahead. And we thank you for these opportunities presented to us to do that. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen?
Praise the Lord and amen. Amen.